0: evening hello David I see you thank you so much for joining
1: hi Jennifer
0: (laughs) yeah finally the amazing David Curtin ladies and gentlemen listen I am excited to talk about Shemitah and the more I mean I was fascinating there's like a whole theology history (laughs) financial I mean there's so much to that to unpack Um, and before we turn it over to that I just want to say welcome everybody and a few updates uh i i said it on the thread dr david cartland will be next week we have the ASEA redox call uh, on monday i know there's a lot of interest where people are panicked and trying to find solutions uh this is a, a no-brainer guys so just join the call if you want to learn some learn more about that or check out some of our podcasts uh that's monday four o'clock uh, tuesday we'll talk to dr david cartland uh, he's got a, a really fascinating story and a lot to, to share with us. And then um, I have spoken to Dr. Peter McCullough. I just got to get a date down. I also want to talk, you know, I want to get him in the books to talk to him um, because what you can see, maybe a pattern here um, in my reliance or, or in my resilience, I guess, to kind of stand in this alternative You know, you know, treatments looking outside the box of allopathic medicine. um, I still, you know, we still, so many of us rely upon these doctors, and their voices are important, their stories, their journeys. So the more that I can help share and give them a voice to kind of uh, make sense of the data, talk about their, you know, perspectives on all this. Um, But as I've said to you guys before, you know, being in these. Uh, medical doctors for COVID ethics calls twice a week. It is interesting um, and maybe something I didn't spend enough time thinking about, but just the division of thought and, uh, you know, where one doctor finds something that works and then is challenged by another doctor. There's a lot of internal, um, you know, while it may seem clear to everybody else, you know, doctors should know everything, they really don't. And that's been a big learning curve for me also seeing how many medical professionals have been torn, um, you know, having made their careers in these medical industries, and then, you know, coming to their knees, not only in, you know, like through this process, but then just seeing the way that they're bullied or silenced, censored, fined, challenged, all these things, and not, it's it's bad enough in the press and the media, but then, you know, internally to each other, it, it is fascinating. So, what I'm trying to do is kind of talk to whoever I can and, and share their story. Um, and some of the big names that we've been seeing, Dr. Peter McCullough is everywhere, um, you know, on Fox News, on TV. And I, you know, finally just sent him another message again. And so, listen, I really want to talk to you specifically um, about what people can do and how we can uh, start holding this, you know, some of this uh, genocide to account. Um and I think there's still discrepancies on data, there's still discrepancies on thought, isolation of the virus, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, all that. Um, so you know this is why I, I want to talk to these doctors. I want to have uh more of an open conversation, a transparency. And obviously I am very um proactive around the redox molecule because it is changing lives and people are feeling better and there are solutions that otherwise would never have been uh explored and i think now is the time as any you know when something works and something is is as good um i felt feel an obligation to not only share with you guys but trust me i'm also sharing with these doctors um and i'm you know following the doctor's work who are using these various protocols, everything from pine oil to dandelion root, cannabis oil, uh, and including the redox molecule, all of these things. So thank you for your interest on that and messages uh, for people that have expressed interest. Um, So I just wanted to share a little bit about those, our little doctor series, I guess we have going on here, Vicki. And then on the 22nd, um, we were sent a channel, the free energy channel of changing out the meters And I do want to give this woman, Kaylee, you know, the floor to just kind of talk about what she's seeing and doing. I expressed to her my concern that I, you know, I love the grandiose, you know, ideas of things and, you know, this whole concept of changing your mentality uh, to step out of the matrix and all of this, this verbiage, the vernacular, you know, we've had calls like that before. And, you know, while they're great for lifting spirits and opening the eyes, Two possibilities uh what i said to her was that i really just want to speak to the people that are doing the action that are really doing it so emma gibson not to call you out again but if you can be on that call because there were a few in the channel that have replaced their smart meters they're doing it right now they're challenging the brokers um so i we're gonna have a call about that on the 22nd um and hopefully if if you know things don't explode <laughs> <laughs> into this, you know, new Shemitah cycle and where whatever happens, uh, you know, next, we can, you know, continue to, to, to kind of share information, have more guests um, beyond then. But, you know, it really does feel like something is building up. Um, and, it, it, you know, like, energetically, I mean, we can feel it with everybody here on the channel, just on a very micro level, um, everybody's on edge and very, you know, quite caustic of tongue. So, you know, it, it there is there's definitely something we're all feeling as we move into, you know, this end of the month and into whatever the hell happens, another Red October. When I, mean, I was thinking about this, Vicky, this will be our third Red October.
2: <laughs> waiting and waiting.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know people get really angry by this because they're Preoccupation with timelines or dates, or you know, this person said this, so they must know. Hey, guess what? No one effing knows. I mean, this is what we've learned. No one knows nothing. <laughs> um, if anything, you know, we can repeat. Um, Ideas, We can connect certain dots to point to certain things, but you know, today's call was not exactly to put everything in a factual database to be written up as a white paper and issued and published. Today was a discussion with who, you know, I consider a friend, David, you know, welcome, Um, you know, to have some uh, discussion around what this means, a Shemitah cycle and going into a collapse. Um, You know, I found it interesting, I kind of did a little bit of work reading. and, you know, beforehand and, you know, it keeps going back to words like a day of nullification and this concept of resetting debt. And, you know, just it's very interesting as we're moving into on the cusp, right, of the end of a financial system, you know, moving into this new financial system that the, it just so happens that there's this historic and religious date, you know, that is, thats that has been used for years and, and, you know, has plenty of data to back up. And here we are you know coming into it, so we what put this Shemitah thing on your on your radar, David
1: yeah, thanks, Jennifer. It was something i 'd never really heard of until um, a couple of months ago actually, and someone in my church was doing a talk on it, and I thought, wow, that 's completely new to me it 's something that 's in the Bible, but it 's been completely hidden from all sort of Western cultures, even Christian you know churches and so on. So I was like, OK, well, this is very fascinating. And um, I just thought I'd look into it a little bit more. And, you know, obviously, we all have an understanding of seven days as a week. Um, and but I think in the Hebrew culture back in the Old Testament, there was just as much of an understanding of a seven year cycle as there is of a seven-day cycle. And I guess the closest word we have to that in English is the idea of the sabbatical, but that doesn't exactly match it. So because people take sabbaticals whenever they like, you know, it's not every seven years. Um, But, you know, I was looking into it and it, it didn't take long to sort of find out that there seems to be some kind of recurring pattern every seven years over the last few years. If you go back a few decades, even a few hundred, a hundred years or so um, in the West, that there has been uh, something fairly um, geopolitically or economically catastrophic happening uh, every seven years, um, which was just fascinating. And uh actually i think someone who's a a financial analyst or a banker has written a book about it so it's not something that was um completely unknown but it's something that was unknown to me and to most people um i I guess you know obviously if you're jewish you probably understand it because it's part of jewish culture and so on um but um yeah it's supposed to be a blessing i mean the idea was that uh Every seven years, the the final day of the seventh year would be the Shemitah Day. Um, And that would be a release. So the word means a release and people will be released from debt, uh, which is a wonderful thing, a wonderful idea. Um, But the thing is, uh, it's so good. Nobody ever did it. (laughs) It's never, ever done um, because it would actually mean people who uh, are um uh the, the the owner debt you know who are owed money would have to write it off um you know, so it was never done and if it's not done then you know then there's instead of a blessing you get a cursing it's the opposite if you like you know so um that was that was interesting and, and you know if you've yeah. looked into it i'm sure you've seen you know um Not particularly too much happened in 2015, seven years ago, but there was a big market crash in China. I think the stock market there went down about 50 percent. And it was the start of the migrant crisis in Europe, which has led to all kinds of trouble over the last seven years. Obviously, going back seven years before that to 2008, um, it's far more obvious there was the financial crash. 2001, there was 9-11. Uh, 1994, there was a bond market crash. 1987, the huge crash. I think it was Black Wednesday. Um, sort of going 1980, there was a bit of a, a downturn in the markets. But 1973, the huge um, oil crisis. 1966, there was a currency crisis. Yeah, you go back further Um, And and you get more significant dates like 1945 was the end of the Second World War. But 1938 was really the start of all of those things when Hitler invaded uh, Czechoslovakia and had the Anschluss with Austria. Um, You can go back even further. 1917 was a key year. Because that was, uh, around that time, was the Russian Revolution. So these years seem to be, you know, on a seven-year cycle. Not not every single one, but quite often the, the huge historical events seem to coincide with this seven-year cycle, which is just, you, you know, it's, the, what are the chances? What are the probabilities of this happening if this was just, you know, all kind of random? It would be, you know, um, very, very low probability indeed. So... Um, Looking back at some videos, um, there were some people um, who were actually predicting that 2015, before 2015, sort of around 2013, 2014, people were predicting that 2015 would be a a catastrophic year uh, for the financial markets. But nothing really sort of happens, you know, as I said, 2015 too much. But... You know, it's looking like that things are all lining up to be a perfect storm at the moment, you know, as we're coming up to the end of the um, this Shemitah. And um, I should have said that before, you know, to define actually when when it happens. So it runs on the, the Hebrew calendar, um, which obviously it starts at Rosh Hashanah. Uh, is the beginning of the, the Hebrew New Year, Jewish New Year goes around to the, the end. So the, that always happens uh, towards the end of September. Occasionally it's earlier in September. Occasionally it goes um, later into October, but it's always around this kind of year, um, this, time, this, this time of year. So, um, so that's very interesting. So it's just with, with everything that's going on, Um, You know, we've come out of COVID, but that's been devastating. Um, National debts are going through the roof everywhere. There's the war in Ukraine, which is totally fabricated and unnecessary, but people keep uh, trying to to push it and stoke it up and uh, escalate rather than de-escalate. And that's leading to the energy crisis, which Europe is really going to be affected by. Now, a lot of countries uh, in Europe are looking at their economies just crashing. And you're starting to see a little bit of instability in the stock markets, and I've heard you know just today Japan's currency that is um, is is really on the ropes and so on. So there's this risk of contagion and dominoes everywhere in the market. So it's been a long time coming um, you know, and obviously after the financial crash of 2007 2008 which was in the shamita year as well the sensible thing for governments to do would be to try to get their books back into balance um, and and to pay down the national debt so we actually get some kind of firm footing but of course the opposite happens they've been borrowing 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 and spending and spending on absolute junk like um you know renewable energy and so on while they're winding down the energy systems that work and it's all sort of seeming to be coming to a bit of a head um so that's why i i thought look i'm just going to speak out on this and make this video because i've i um, for, you know, I shy away from sort of saying, oh, this is going to happen on this date in the future, because if it doesn't happen, you just look silly. <laughs> so, you know, and, But, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, that there's definitely going to be, you know, something catastrophic happening uh, this week or next week. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and that's the thing. And it's very interesting that, you know, the, the queen has died. Just at the end of a Shemitah year, uh, you know, and this was it was going to happen because she's she's elderly. She's 96 and she hasn't been in good health for a while. Um, her husband died two years ago. So, you know, obviously that's, you know, uh, she's probably lonely and so on. Uh, you know, who knows? It, it's a very sad occasion, you know, for me, obviously, and for, for a lot of people, but it's it's interesting that this has happened just at this time. And, you know, in, in Britain, the, the nation has to mourn, but the nation's also paralysed, because nothing is happening in any other sense or sphere uh, at all, apart from just totally focusing on, you know, the Queen's funeral coming up on Monday and handing over of the throne to Prince Charles, who's now King Charles III, which is, just, is a very bizarre thing for me to say. You know, that's sort of – they're, they're trying to reprogram us because, you know, he's now moved up to be the king and um, and and so on. You know, obviously, he's got all kinds of connections with the World Economic Forum and, and so on. So, so it's uh, – just uh, a very interesting thing so i think it's something that's worthy of discussion and worthy of thought because it's probably something that's been hidden from so many people for so long and and people have not even
0: considered it before david don't you think it's uh you know interesting as well that the end of the month the vaticans like turning your money to the bank
1: that's another thing. It's another dot that's there, and um, it's uh, it's a very interesting thing that you know that that um, edict has been issued by the Pope to, in its two um, organisations within the Holy See, so that are directly connected to the Vatican. It's not all Catholics, but it is you know that the, the um, that all the organisations linked with them have been told to pull their money back into the Vatican bank. So. Um, yeah, that's another very interesting thing because that's going to be quite a lot of money moving around that wouldn't normally move around.
0: And it just can't, but I have to, I mean, I guess we have to mention, I mean, this Ripple case going into a summary judgment next month, or excuse me, next week. Um, And then, you know, just recently, the Treasury here talking about stablecoin, you know, um, uh, regulation and the idea that metals are coming back. You know, on this channel, David, we talked, uh, you know, Dave, or Vicki and I have been um, talking a lot about, you know, the, the, the historical uh, kind of historical milestone, I guess, of money and the way that, you know, after the war, uh, you know, they met with. The conference, the Bretton Woods conference, the war was kind of decimated the entire world's economy. At the time, the dollar was as good as you know an ounce of, of gold, so that became the national or the the Federal Reserve or the you know where everything kind of pegged against, um, and the dollar was set to a a, a gold ounce, and then. But in that conference, there was also a suggestion of the Bancor theory, which was this kind of the government can print as much as it's needed as it's needed. Um, and I can't help but think that while they, they did uh, peg us to gold um, from 1933 to 71, there was, you know, illustrious spending and there would never again and there would never be any way to catch up so again, there was this announcement with Nixon to say that we're going to go off the gold standard, and it was meant to be a temporary thing. Um, temporary, and 50 years later, here we are—you um, know, kind of these zombie corporations propped up by zombie governments. Um, you know that one could argue are also corporations, um, and and we're and we're watching this—you know—shameful spending and sending abroad everywhere but where it seems to be needed and and then when people say well we're struggling to pay our bills it's, who the, we have to find out there is you know more money to more money be laid out right, right, right. you know for these grandiose expenditures and it's you know it's not just because you know in in the UK in the US we're seeing this as well um but i just i'm seeing the way that the regulation has made such a theatrical Um, piece of the ripple case, at the same time, you know, the economy, they they don't want us to really see what inflation is doing to the economy and creating valueless currency. As we kind of enter into this period where there's meant to be a banking cycle of historical, you know, uh, reference, you know, into this Shemitah, the year, the day of nullification. I mean, I just keep thinking about that word. Um, And, you know, if if there is a banking crisis, they definitely they absolutely know. And there's all going to there's going to be everything set in stage to kind of replace it or to herd the cattle into whatever is planned next. Um, And I think this is where we we kind of break apart some of these Uh, narratives that have unfolded over the past few years, you know, the biometrics, the CBDCs, the climate change, um, you know, to kind of share information so that we're all prepared for what they put next in front of us. I mean, because I mean, what are you going to do, David, if they collapse your bank account? Everything's Everything's offline. And the only way to get it back online is to put a little microchip under your skin.
1: Yeah, that that's all true. And, uh, you know, what you said from start to finish there about inflation, because we just have a fiat currency system. You know, I think we we understand that. But 99 percent of people just don't get it and they don't even see or think about inflation. They think, oh, I've got a 2 percent pay rise. That's great. I'm getting paid more. Isn't that wonderful? But it gets eaten up straight away by inflation every year. And they play that trick on people to make people think that they're doing well when actually it's been stolen through inflation and then the government and and the 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 prince the money and the corporations that get it first just continue spending it on uh real hard assets and get richer and richer i'm sure we all understand that but people don't but you know this is a worry that they the the powers that be have got something that they that's ready to go and they want to crash the currencies that we have and um just bring everybody uh, through a period of trauma onto a new financial system, perhaps with a microchip. Well, I won't be getting a microchip. Um, you know, no no way. <laughs> Even if, it, if it causes me hardship. But I've prepared as much as I can. I hope I've prepared enough. Um, you know, water, food, and, and everything else, all basic necessities. And, you know, I, I live in a place where there's hopefully not going to be too much trouble and too much crime I was in London for five years on the London assembly but I've moved away from London to sort of uh, uh, a smaller town so you know there's there's various things I've done but you know nothing is foolproof but yeah I, you can see it coming um, but the thing is you, you in sort of being pre you know forearmed is fore, fore, forewarned is forearmed and you can prepare yourself mentally for what's going to happen if it does happen Hope for the best and prepare for the worst. That's that's a good maxim.
0: Well, absolutely. And, you know, because we are now learning the real difference between currency, fiat versus real money, you know, there'll be more of an awareness and a demand, you know, to never to to not to not agree to move into any kind of system. That is going to control one's ability to spend or turn off one's money or to attach their name and you know, bank account to some stupid, silly credit score. I mean, this is this is what I believe is deliberate. These fear mongering placements. I mean, if you notice the way they speak about it, it's very clever. They they seed it out. Well, we're working on a, pl- a system. Yeah, We're working on it. Get, out, get lost. You've, you've, you've known about this system for years. And you're just putting it in front of the media right now because you basically are dangling, you know, how much will these people take? Will they really bite on this? How much are they ready to fight back? And they're expecting all of us to just be like, oh, yay, all hail the WEF. Sure, UN, we're ready for whatever you got next. No, this is the point. Everybody sees these, these headlines and and just the fact that we're discussing them and you know are aware of you know a potential banking collapse or the end you know a day of nullification i mean you know just the fact that we're we're owning that this is a potential dot on the map you know something that could happen here um is is what we should be doing is is enough it is it is the resilient pushback here that is slowing down their track of creepiness and you know when some cbdc i saw a video on twitter the other day of a scandinavian or european banker uh talking about how cbdc's you know uh, you know, if they turn off, they turn on the CBDCs, they're going to be applicable through the little rice chip on your arm. And it got me thinking, what if they did try to pull that crap? I mean, what if they were like, oh, lights off. Ooh, we are lit tired now. Here's your, you know, rice chip. Go on. We're going to turn them back on when you all... I think people will absolutely raise hell. There's no way they'll put up with that. So of course they're gonna try this seeding, you know, headlines and getting everybody used to or accustomed to this idea. Oh, it's a plan they're working on. It'll happen, you know, whatever, until they decide to pull it out. No, that they've they've been working on it for a while and they've had the technology for a while. They are, you know, whatever their plan is my point here is that we are already consciously aware and growing in numbers to stop whatever this you know little plan there is and if they crash the banking site you know banking the the banking system and implement a new system um, you know I, I think this is where where I, I keep referring to Ed Dowd's uh, comment that new financial system we have the people have to decide what that looks like and how it functions Um, I was sent a little clip from X-22 report, which, excuse me, I normally love the X-22 report, except for I listened to Dave, you know, talk about how, you know, they are planning to crash the system and turn lights back on on a, you know, blockchain payment rail backed by precious metals. Great. Well, they obviously knew this system could be used Um, with the creepy biometric applications built on top. Um, We remove those. The the, the headlines don't actually tell you that you don't actually need CBDCs. That's the whole point of Web3. You can build beyond there in intrusive financial system. So they obviously knew that. And that's why the importance of decentralized technologies is gaining favor and growing, you know, very fast. Because the more and more people realize, you know, and I'm waiting, for, uh, I'm waiting to see what is the ultimate wake up call when they when they shut down your bank account, when no one's allowed, is there going to be one big bail in? You know, is it one, you know, or do they turn lights off? Here's your micro, They throw some rice chips out and everybody. Sticks them in their arm. I mean, I, I something big like this has to happen, or maybe it's just enough with these headlines. Um, but I, I, I keep seeing the way they're dangling. But yet, there's and there might be, you know, thought and implication written up on the website. This kind of fear-based. But remember, guys, they did this to us before with the COVID track and trace. They put all these. Remember, it was like we're going to shut down for two weeks, and then I don't know about you guys, but like, you know, the next hour there was plastic um, you know, built at the petrol stations, like the plastic screens and all the, the big banners and stay at home. And I'm like, wow, they got printing quickly, you know, for all this, like stay at home, six feet social. Uh, uh-uh. And that, you know, they, they obviously knew this was coming. This was very anticipated. Think of the campaign trail that when they first rolled out all of that crap, and then they pushed the track and trace, which was a great big failure and will continue to be a failure. Um and so I like having these conversations and when I reached out to you earlier I said David we got to we got to raise everyone's vibration give them a sense of peace give them a sense them of where a sense I wasn't going to talk this because it is something relevant to talk about but in no way are we sitting here saying you know like head for the bunkers um you know because we we the people are able you know with our will and manifestation and just being cognitively aware and educated Um, you know, can and will demand accountability here.
1: You I've seen that all through the COVID situation. If we go back and we look over the last two and a half years, they tried to just shut us down and get everybody in their homes, atomized, not talking to anybody whatsoever, not going out on the streets. But people went out and they resisted and resisted and resisted. You know, in London, um, you know, I was at the very, very first protest march in May 2020. And there were only about 50 people there. And there were 100 police and they closed it down straight away. And it was quite, you know, quite depressing that, you know, because we'd gone out, but it was very hard to do anything. But then there was another one the next month in June. And this time there were 300 people. And there were still yeah. a police. Yeah. And it was harder for them to shut it down. It took them longer. But then went on. And then in August and September in Trafalgar Square, there were these huge rallies of 20,000 people. And the columns of police and riot police came to try and storm the crowd, close it down, arrest people, hit people over the head, to steal the speakers and so on and the microphones. But everyone just got together and didn't let them do it. And we just carried on and had a rally and spoke and we spoke about freedom and I spoke about how tyrannical the police were. And it was a shock. Um, You know, I've never seen anything like that. And then in March 2021, After a hard winter, people came out again, and there were like 100,000 people, and there were so many that the police just started escorting people rather than trying to (laughs) arrest them. So people power works, and it just needs a few people to start it off, and it may take a a bit of time, but then people will get together and work out what to do, And, and this was a genuine grassroots movement that stood up to the full force of the state, and we said no. And then they wanted to carry on and have a fourth lockdown in December 2022, um, 2021, and so on. And then, I don't know if in the UK, I can only speak about the UK, really, they were terrorising care home workers and doctors and nurses by saying, if you don't get an injection, you're going to lose your job. And then there's so many people protested against that. The government had to back down. And I really genuinely believe that what we did... um, In December, January, the turn of this year, actually stop there being a fourth lockdown which they wanted to take all the way up to the summer yeah. and then that yeah. would have just led into the easy implementation of digital uh, currency and social credit system we stopped that as just ordinary individual people coming together en masse and saying no we are going to stand in our freedom and you're not going to take it away from us and we'll do the same because we've done that now we know what to do and we'll do it even faster and quicker this Time. It doesn't matter if they bring out something worse. We're just all gonna to get together, we'll carry on using cash and we'll go carry on ignoring their plans to take away our freedom and invert our society into something that it shouldn't be, and we will establish our our our, our own government and our own ways and our own systems of doing something because we, we've got to say no to this tyranny, and we will do. So I'm very, very hopeful that you know whatever they throw at us uh we can, we have the power together to stand together and say no
0: <laughs> yeah do you guys remember there was the track and trace and there were like some silly schmucks on the line that were taking selfies and they're like we we're so happy we're we're so proud we're vaccinated so we could use this dumbass app and show up and then then we started to see people like miss their flights or not be able to access their app or you know all this kind of creepy stuff of uh, you know following them um, so that, I mean, we saw this with the bracelets, you know, there was some legislation and everybody was like, oh no, that's debunked until it showed up on some government website. So as fast as it shows up, it can equally go away. So every time everyone's like, oh my gosh, they're going to do a social credit score. I'm like, they've already been conditioning us in little ways. I mean, so what they have it, what are we going to do? All run around like zombies. Sure. A portion of people will always do that. But so many of us like those protests and beautifully put. I mean, I watched those protests grow. I mean, I saw You could feel it. Remember the beginning? They started to see those stupid uh, cop videos where it was like they made it seem like they were violent. And all it did was just push people out to the protests even more to prove that this wasn't violent. This was just growing numbers of people. And we weren't going to put up with the dancing nurse videos or the creepy cop video. I mean, there was just and so, yeah, I mean. We're not immune, and we're not, you know, ignoring all the stuff that is happening. But I guess the point of discussing on calls like this is just to reiterate how powerful our will of of saying no and non-complying actually work. I mean, the masks are too another stupid like sheep move. They tried to push on everybody. Um, I think here locally, there was a vaccine center that was up for like 24 hours. I mean, honestly, the people that got vaccinated here were just on autopilot. Like, I think they checked their brains and just did it because they weren't even, you know, oh, I got to travel. And then like, you know, reality came back to them and they're like, holy hell, what did I just do? and that's you know that's many people and i think those people when we start really getting getting you know the the like i said the the stories of the doctors the coercion the censorship the bullying people start seeing the data it was not going to lie i mean headlines do but this is this is starting to affect people in a very personal way so you know we have to remember that whatever cycle or crash they're going to pull on us You know, we can ultimately be the ones who who get out there with our, you know, seashells, cash. I mean, I can literally see people printing their own cash before using some kind of creepy digital system. I know I would, you know, or going back to their gold bullion or using, you know, fractional gold and silver coins, whatever traded of value or bartering. Um, So on this channel for, you know, a better part of the year, we've run a few sustainability threads, what's in your first aid kit, threads, gardening, you know, just kind of little preparations. We are not full. I'm not a professional prepper. Um, There's far better channels for that. But we have addressed this as far as just kind of stocking up and making sure that if there was some kind of lights out and you weren't able to process payments, um, you know, that you have the ability to, you know, feed your family at least and and keep yourself warm, food and energy wise. Um, everybody there's there's talks about stocks. You know, I've been listening to stock analysts, the CPI information, you know, obviously the inflation rates that have been coming out, um, consumer price index. I, you know, I, I do watch that and the S&P, obviously, and I, I've been blowing up Vicky's phone because. And uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm like, Vicky, at some point, these cryptos are, you know, going to break off from traditional stocks and do their own thing. Because at some point, the masses will realizing, will realize this, you know, the kind of shrinking of purchasing power, uh, purchasing power within the dollar and get out of paper and start looking at what is considered safe, you know, assets and we're, we're starting to go into this space, but I, I'm really key to see what what triggers it. Um, you know. Because at some point, although this has been a terrible year for crypto, and like I should stop using that dirty word, crypto, it, it's really digital assets. And there's just a few, a handful of really solid digital assets that can be utilized that run on an interledger protocol that are not subject to any kind of uh, surveillance or biometric parameters that actually can either run through radio waves or satellite and not be restricted to any one network. Um, And those digital assets will break away from the paper that we're seeing. And we'll see some kind of, uh, you know, either regulation step in or redistribution based off the value of a hard asset. And I do believe that we'll be pegging back to that gold standard. But listen, you and I have talked a lot and I want, I know there's some people waiting to speak. So let's open the floor. Yeah, just be, just before we move on to anybody
2: um, coming through for a question, I've just got a quick question just to clarify around Roche, um Hashanah, if I could, David. So this year it begins on the 25th of September. Um, it ends on the 27th. So the seven-year cycle of the Shemitah, would that begin... So that would end on the 24th of September, effectively, and the new seven-year cycle would start then, I presume, because that's the Jewish New Year, isn't it, the Rosh Hashanah?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think the the Jewish New Year, the, the day is the 26th, the, the Rosh Hashanah is the 26th of September, but the, the Jewish day begins at sunset. So the final day of the Shemitah would be from sunset on the 24th, to sunset on the 25th of September. But I say to the 25th of September because, you know, the, the bulk of the day is in, in, is in the, the the 25th of, in the daytime.
2: You may have seen um, the video going around of the German MP making reference to the 24th of September. I mean, people have said it's, he, he accidentally said September instead of February. Um, mm. And obviously there's a lot of talk about this day that we're going to remember. And it just struck me, here we are again at this the 24th being the last day of this seven year Shemitah cycle (laughs) moving into the new year's cycle it's just it keeps popping up
1: It does. And, and, you know, I, I had no idea because, you know, I'm the leader of the Heritage Party and we organized our party conference for the 24th of September. And then, <laughs> then I find out that there was all these dates and all these things that might be happening then. Um, so that was very interesting. Again, I've seen that speech by the German um, ME, MEP, I think he is, or, or a German MP. And, yeah, it, it sounds like he actually was talking about the... Russian invasion of Ukraine, um, and he miss, he misspoke and said September instead of February. But but who knows, you know, I um, you know what what he actually meant. So um, yeah, that's that's just another very interesting thing um, that the sort of ties in along with it.
0: I wanted to give David just a minute. Do you want to just tell us quickly about the Heritage Party and what you're doing? And what you're, what you're...
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jennifer. Yeah, look, I set the Heritage Party up two years ago because I was in the London Assembly um, and the party where I was in sort of like it, it crashed and fell apart, which is a very sad thing. Um, so I was independent a bit. But I, I thought we need something um, that is not being offered to people because Tories, I call them fake conservatives, Labour, Lib Dem, Green in the UK, they're all just doing the same thing. There's no real difference between any of them. They're all following the World Economic Forum plan, the Agenda 2030 for Climate Alarmism, Net Zero. They're all pushing wokery in, in all its forms. And particularly heinous is the new subjects comprehensive sexuality education or relationships and sex education which is pushing really disgustingly sexualizing materials onto kids in primary schools and it's the the fake conservatives in England, Labour in Wales, the SNP in Scotland. And the parents are really up in arms about this when they see what's going on, but it's been done sort of quietly by stealth in a way that you know parents don't really notice. And then of course it's messing up their kids and a lot of them come home saying, Oh, I'm I'm not a boy anymore, I'm not a girl anymore. And then they do want to do all kinds of things to their bodies which are unnatural. So This this is disgusting and it's hideous and it's going on in our country. So we just need a party that's going to stand up for what's right, you know, and the others have just inverted what's good and evil has become inverted. We need to turn it the right way around again. So there was nothing. So I thought I'm going to start the Heritage Party. And just, you know, write a manifesto in terms of positive principles. So we believe in national sovereignty. We believe in traditional family values. We believe in self-sufficiency in skills. We believe in protecting our environment. But, uh, you know, not not through all of the green, <laughs> green nonsense and so on, uh, you know, and, and just uh, that stands also for freedom, which is a very, very important thing that, you know, we, we've seen over the last couple of years. So that's why I started the Heritage Party and we've stood candidates in by-elections so far. I stood in the London elections. We haven't got anyone elected yet, but we're just building. And I'm trying to build a team at the moment of 650 candidates so that we can stand everywhere in the country in the next general election and at least give people a choice not to vote for these parties that are destroying our country. And, and vote for someone who'll restore our heritage. So that's it. <laughs> if you wow. want to find so more you're
0: looking for people to stand for the party
1: absolutely yeah Yeah. if if you'd like to become a member you can join us on heritageparty.org and if you're a member you can stand and you know i I never stood for parliament until 2015 you know i was I, I, i was a chemistry teacher for most of my life but i thought you know i want to get involved in politics and You know, um, and I did it, you know, if I think, you know, if I can do it, anyone can do it. And, um, you know, I I, I need candidates. I need members. I need people to come on board. So if you would like to, if you're interested, please do have a look at heritageparty.org. You can read our manifesto there. Join us and be a candidate because, you know, that would be great. And it would just be a fantastic service to the country to give people the opportunity to vote for someone who's on their side rather than all the others who are just on the side of the World Economic Forum, etc.
0: That's really great. Thank you, David. And thank you for sharing. So everybody listening, if you're interested in um, getting involved, please reach out to the Heritage Party and or David uh, and and express your interest. Because I'm sure, you know, if even if you don't feel like standing, you can still... Uh, be part of something. If this if this resonates with you, um, I know some people just want to watch the whole establishment collapse, myself included. But I, I said to you, David, when we first spoke, um, how important it was what you're doing because you're giving people stability and hope and logic, which is what everybody needs uh, through these crazy times. And you know, just bringing it back to the like core values. Of, you know, humanity, freedom. I mean, that's what I saw when I, I was reading your posts and what I've seen from the party so far. So thank you for sharing. And thank you for, you know, doing this or giving people at least another option. Um, oh, thank you.
3: Thank you know, you, I,
0: that's why I, w- I really appreciate you coming on and sharing. Guys, this isn't an endorsement for any one party as much as David is my you know, a friend and an endorsement for David and his work and his, you know, contribute, you know, contributing uh, loyalty. And you know, you stood, you have, been, you have stood over the last few years um, for as such a beacon of of truth. And I really like how you're out there at those, you know, at events and you know, speaking out you know, we really need to champion and, you know, encourage each other to do so. So thank you for doing that.
1: Oh, thank you, Jennifer. That's really kind of you. Thank you so much. And, you know, I, I appreciate everybody who's, you know, um, stood stood there as well. Thanks.
0: Ben, did you want to say something or Vicky, were you saying something?
3: I, d- I just want to say like, um, Saturday, do you think this is going to be worthwhile because i know that like chris sky and there's some pretty big people there um and I, I i'm not sure of partly this saturday but but following that kind of what Vic said regarding um the 24th there's so many weird weird things hanging around about the 24th i just wondered if you've got any thoughts on next week or this week
1: yeah th- thanks ben i mean personally i'm not going to go on saturday the re the only reason i won't now i'm not going is because i've got so much to do through all, an organization before our party conference on the 24th so um but i i always love going to the rallies because you know if nothing else it's it's just a great time to meet people of a similar mindset and you know it, 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 there's always a positive energy in in these things you know so you know if if it's um If it's easy to get to, you know, why not? But it's going to be a funny weekend because the Queen's funerals on Monday. So that's just a whole thing that's there looming um, over the country at the moment. It's in a very, you know, these things happen when when a monarch dies, but we've never known this in our lifetime. So it's it's new and it's it's odd and it's um, no one really knows what to make of it and so on. So this is a this is a strange time. Um, but you know oh, whatever happens I'll be I'll be speaking at our party conference so I'm going to be having a good time anyway hopefully whatever happens
3: <laughs> the, the other thing is uh, James Denningpole posted something the other day saying I'm um, basically saying about things that are part of the, the great deception and then he like kind of backtracked and said right this is, we're going on too much here. He said, I'm going to make it easier. What things aren't part of the great deception? <laughs> <Sorry>. uh. <laughs> but I, I said, right, and this this does affect people like you, David. There's so many people that just accuse people of being shields, and Jen as well. They'll go, oh, David's this, Jen's this. and There's so much energy wasted on, on people that speak out, but then... Hugo Talks is a really good example of someone that does this. He just culls people
1: and cuts them down. Do you have any? It's very annoying. Yeah, I've okay. seen Hugo Talks. He's he's put me in the sort of category with because I'm on GB News. I must be a shill and I'm controlled by the government, which is absolute nonsense. Um, you know, I just ignore it <laughs> mostly, but it is very annoying. I've got all I've got called all the things under the sun. You know, apparently I'm I'm a Freemason, I'm a crypto Jew, whatever that is. I work for Mossad, I'm in the <laughs> Fellowship of the Snake. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> sometimes they make me laugh, but it, it, it's all utter nonsense. I mean, like, I'm very open, I'm a Christian, I'm not a Freemason or any other religion, and, you know, I'm running the Heritage Party, and, um, you, you know, I speak about my faith. That's all there is to me, really. You know, what you see is what you get. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's what
3: I see with David. But it does, it, I think it distracts a lot of people away and it, it pulls them away from, they, they they kind of buy into it. I know lots of people that buy into this rubbish. Like they'll, they'll see and they'll go, oh, no, because they want to get ahead of the curve. And they think, oh, yeah, David's uh, this, that, and the other. Jen's this. They're, they're all doing this. They're all controlled opposition. And they get so wrapped up in it. And I do think it is a little bit of a kind of cabal thing as... I'm sure it's intentional and I'm not even so sure with, with Hugo talks whether, whether he's legit because he's actually very good, some of the stuff he says, but he, he definitely discredits anyone that talks for for the cause, he he's, he's got a real good habit of discrediting them, except for possibly James Denning-Potley, he hasn't managed to get him, but he does put him on some of his videos. So.
1: But, the yeah, thing. Yeah. Who is Hugo Talks? Nobody knows who he is. Why does he not show his face, you know, so we can see who he is, so we can see what his real name is? You know, he's attacking all of these people like me, like Jen, like Neil Oliver, other people on GB News uh, who, who show our faces and we put ourselves out there. So, I mean, you can get into you can get so far down the rabbit hole that you just, you, you know, everybody is, is, is the enemy apart from yourself. And then you'll just like implode, you know, <laughs> there are, there are good people who are on your side as well. And, and that's the thing I, I used to like Hugo talks until he started slagging me off and, and other people and mixing things. Cause he put me in the same video as some people who are genuinely, you know, I have concerns about as well. And, and this is a, you know whether it's a strategy, or uh, you know, or whether it's just someone is, you, you know, uh, no, is thinking no, nobody is good but me. It's <laughs> uh, solo. It's yeah, it's pretty really good to hear that.
0: Well, I think Hugo talks. Um, I mean, I I don't know who who runs that channel, but I was having a conversation earlier today about some of these, you know, truthers, these large accounts, you know, they came out of, they popped out of the snow like daisies, you know, giving all this intel and kind of, you know, created an audience or a cult following around them as if they're, um, you know, some kind of established or higher intelligence or, you know, pulpit that is actually worthy of preaching. Um, Now, a lot of the stuff they might say might be good and truthful or on the right track, but there's always seeded some kind of intention. When people accuse me of being controlled opposition or bought out, I laugh because they seem to forget that I was offered, you know, I was hit in the media as a, I didn't ask for that, but, you know, became a big scandal. And then then at the same time they were destroying my character and calling me all these bad names and attacking me with these vicious lies they turned around shoved me into a top you know Hollywood producer and then suddenly wanted me on Bear Gryllis and strictly come to, like, and, and you know, and I was going to do, and they, and not only that, they published headlines that I was there milking the media for my fortune to be some kind of superstar reality show series. I mean, Vicki, remember how many times I was like, I'm doing what show? I mean, it was very bizarre how it was like they, they almost, they dangled the carrot to see if I would you know, comply or follow suit or be willing to come and, 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 you know, acquiesce to all their demands, um, you know, because they were going to make me famous, right. They were going to give me the reality show, you know, career that they assumed I, I cared about. And I, I mean, I I wasn't going to go at the time because I was, I had a very young child and, you know, disappearing for six weeks. And then it became, you know, complying. I wasn't going to get vaccinated. Then I wasn't going to fly and wear a mask. There was all these, you know, I just refused to comply on any of it. And I didn't actually come forward trying to uh, be some kind of truther or... (laughs) Any of that, except for when I started, when I did finally say, okay, to hell with this nonsense from the media. I'm done playing their stupid game. And I just opened my mouth. Lockdowns are not about a virus. You know, here's what's happening. People were interested. And so this is why it took me a while to actually get the channel up in public and, you know, actually open this up. Because originally, my little digital assets channel was just you know, a group of my close friends, my, you know, the people that I've been talking to about XRP, even before I, you know, told you guys, Um, you know, and just talking about how we're going to go into a new financial system, based on what I had experienced through fintech and cybersecurity, uh, you know, from the UK. Um, So I assure anybody, if they thought I was, you know, trying to be bought off or some kind of controlled opposition, I mean, this is not the way to do it I assure you I had the every opportunity <laughs> to do it that way and to be on the page three and all these crazy you know modeling things that the I mean they were having a laugh taking the piss but they still were offering you know and i I just was not interested in any of it and so I want to say that and thank you for giving me the opportunity to to address that um, because I've seen some of Hugo talk stuff you know we used to I was part of that. Boris's girlfriend's episode and I just kind of laughed because I'm like wow they're really stretching because I don't have you know a father that worked for Larry Ellison and I don't have these you know I don't I'm not working for Oceana, and I'm not banned from entering the United States and I don't take handouts from the Clinton Foundation but oh isn't it interesting the people that are that do that are you know actively in this Um, And then when you guys all got to meet the real me and, you know, you see me connecting with people uh, like David Curtin and others in this space um, that are trying to do good things. Uh, This is not coming from a place of trying to shill anyone's narrative or to gain by this. This is more or less just, you know, an obligation for all of us to come together. And, you know, that's what these threads are, this channel. So, again, thank you for allowing me to address that
4: um i just want to say it, it's been a great call i've just jumped on the last half hour um but david it's great to, to have you on this call and i just wanted to ask you a question about the heritage party actually Um we've yeah. got one more yeah. shot democracy now yeah. one more shot so i just want to know what the heritage party is doing to prepare for this you know because we may never get another chance of democracy now
1: yeah i think um i i said earlier um uh, maybe before you came on Uh, We're just building. You know, the Heritage Party's new. We've been going for two years. Uh, Things are going well, considering we're a small party that's growing. But I'm trying to build a team of 650 people to be able to stand in the next general election whenever it happens. Probably going to be May 2024. But before then, as well, to get as many candidates as we can. To stand in the local elections in May 2023. So, I mean, that's it. I mean, what a political party does is, as you know, because um, you've been in a party before, uh, I think we were in the same party um, back we in the were. day. Uh, <laughs> it's, yes, so, um, is, is to, to get members and get candidates and stand candidates. So, you know, that, exactly. that's basically the, the bread and butter of what we're trying to do.
4: No, exactly. And uh, um, you're a fantastic um, education. Um... Head of the Education as well. Excellent job there. Um, but Thanks. I honestly believe, though, we are looking very closely now before we hit a general election. We're not talking about 2024. There's going to be a snap general election. As we know Liz Truss is just the new head of the World Economic Forum within our government. Um, and, of course, this week we've seen a new monarch who belongs to the World Economic Forum. So what they'll do, they'll call a snap election when they least suspect it. We need to be ready for that. Do you not think? <laughs>
1: we need to be as ready as we can be. You know, we're as ready as we can be um, and we'll do whatever we can in the time we have. So I don't know when it's going to be. Um, I still think that it's probably likely to be May 2024. But if it is earlier, we will do what we can with with what we have.
4: Exactly. and That's a good point. And um, that was a good video you made the other day, actually, on the Shemitah cycle as well. Um, Thank you. I'm, I'm looking out for the 25th of this month where... I'd imagine all our lives will change dramatically. But no, thank you, David. I appreciate um, you answering the questions.
1: Great. Thanks, Martin. Yeah, we were talking about that a bit more at the beginning. So, you know, I guess I I will look back and listen to this conversation as well and share it out. So uh, might be some good stuff on there. Thanks, Martin. Thank you, David.
0: Well, I I guess we can wrap up um, if, if those, because I, I want to keep this discussion kind of, you know, the focus point of um, Shmita and what could be coming into the next, you know, few weeks, um, as far as the financial collapse and rebirth, I guess. Um, and I appreciate everyone's stories. Please join us for the calls next week where we can talk more about the experiences within the NHS via David Cartland. Okay, so listen, I appreciate everybody's time today. Vicki, did you want to add something?
2: No, it's been an absolutely 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 great call call as as per normal. normal. Thanks for everybody's patience patience and and questions. questions. It's been brilliant. brilliant.
0: Yes, and David, really, thank you for finally, you know, getting coming on and talking to us um, about what you're doing and sharing with us your thoughts on the Shemitah, because it was a really interesting point. And like we've discussed for all the various other little bits from the Vatican to this crazy German politician, you know, this, you know, these whispers, I mean, we don't really know. And, you know, we'll just kind of stay aware by sharing information
1: yeah thank, thank you jennifer it's really been great to be on here i've enjoyed the call and um yeah thanks for your questions everybody um i i you i know, can't give an answer to every absolutely everything but you know I, I hope that's been it's been good and it's been uh interesting and informative as well so i'm still finding things out as well so um you, you know as we all are but uh You know, whatever, whatever happens, um, you know, be blessed, everybody. Uh, Thanks for thanks for listening. And thank you, Jennifer. Um, It's been it's been great for to been great to come on here.
0: Thank you. And for anybody who wanted to say something and didn't get a chance, just add your thoughts to the thread. Let us know um, if you have any other further questions. And thank you, Vicky. We'll have this uh, this up, hopefully on Podbean within the next few days uh, for those of you to catch up at home. Thank you all, and please join us next week for the upcoming calls.